Bills fans, what's going on? Welcome into another edition of Saturday Night Billsology right here on the Built in Buffalo Network. I am one of your co-hosts, founder and owner of Built in Buffalo, DM3, go by Dave Myers. And this guy over here, that's my co-host over here. That's my co-host, A. Rich, Akeem Richens. A. Rich, how you feeling? A. Rich, Akeem Richens. If you don't know us by now, please get to know us. This is indeed Billsology, only on the Built in Buffalo Network, DM3. I am swell. I am swell, my brother. How swell? are you? Swell? <laughs> swell. swell. I am swell. That's a new one. All right, so we got a packed show tonight. We have a lot to discuss. I was obviously off last week. Uh, kudos to Stokes for filling in. He did a great job. Sure. Very entertaining show. He's very knowledgeable. Great dude. Um, we're going to talk about Brandon Bean's draft history. We're going to talk about the Bills' 53-man roster that is pretty much set in stone as of right now. And we want to talk about if the Buffalo Bills' window is open or closed. And we're going to do that next. All right, so we are here. I am back after my one-week hiatus. A Rich DM3. We got a packed show Saturday night. This is the last weekend without NFL football until February. That's insane, right? <laughs> Hercules, Hercules. Um, that, like, it, I just feel like it snuck up on us. Like, I feel like we were putting the posts out for the countdown. It was like 100 95 now all of a sudden we're in single digits and tomorrow's the last sunday without nfl football so um we got a lot to unpack um if you saw the promo that i put out earlier today we're going to talk about the bills 53-man roster um because that dropped this week obviously with cuts and all that stuff brandon bean's draft class the history of uh, what he's done since he's been here the first draft he you know was in charge of 2018 and then we're going to talk about what the the national media is all of a sudden like it's a hot topic with national media to talk about this window that the Bills have uh, for a championship. So, A. Rich, yes, overall, sir. and then we'll dive into it. Overall, how do you feel as opposed to the previous five years under Brandon Bean? How do you feel about this Bills 53-man roster? Over, overall, and then we'll break it down. Overall, I believe it's a very strong group. I believe it's the strongest group that the Buffalo Bills have had in Brandon Bean's tenure. On paper, on paper, in my opinion, this is a group that uh, in the offseason, did we lose guys that, that had some significance? Yes, we lost Tremaine Edmonds, right? He signed that big contract with the Bears, and we was all talking about uh, what we was going to do at that middle linebacker position until we signed a guy in Christian Kirksey who maybe not as good or as rangy as a Tremaine Edmonds, but statistically, if you pull up just the stats, just like I'm pulling up your rosters on paper, Christian Kirksey goes pound for pound with Tremaine Edmonds, right? So we fill the void there and we lost Tommy Doyle and we we fill the a void in, in signing the uh, Jermaine Afidi, 
Am I pronouncing that last name right? I believe so. So, you know, we, we filled voids where we had holes. So overall, I think this is the best Buffalo Bills group since Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott came to one Bills drive slash Highmark Stadium. I agree. I, I think every year, seemingly, if you look back at 2018, 2019, then the big turn in 20 and 21, 22, you know, I feel like last year the Bills got all of the love from the national media. And we all as Bills fans thought it was odd because we weren't used to it, right? We're, we were always used to the underdog mentality. But mm-hmm. I feel like this might be on paper now. They haven't played a game. Mm-hmm. Everybody's healthy right now, right? Mm-hmm. But on paper, I feel like this is probably the deepest roster that they've had. Um, And even with that being said, with losing Tremaine Edmonds, I still feel like this is still a roster that if you look just at the depth, um, I I feel like this is something that that we should be, you know, overly ecstatic about because there are guys like if you look at the tight end position, first and foremost, you have you have Dawson Knox. And Dalton Kincaid. If Knox can't go for whatever reason, then you have you slide Kincaid in there, and you still have Quentin Morris, who I think is a wild card. Just mm-hmm. you know, things like that. You look at the wide receiver position. I feel like this is the most talent that Josh Allen has had as an NFL quarterback, and that goes all the way back to when he had John Brown, Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs. Because these guys, a guy like Gabe Davis, who I feel like is going to have a breakout year, um, they're just loaded with talent there. And then you look at the offensive line. They did make some upgrades. You know, a lot of people are saying that they haven't gotten better and then everybody got scared after the Steelers preseason game. But I do feel like depth wise, they're, they're strong. And I feel like adding a guy like Connor McGovern um, drafting Osiris Torrance. I feel like they're along the front. It's, I feel like it's going to be a work in progress, but I feel like Brandon Bean did what he could with what the tools that were available to him. So I'm looking at this roster and, and, you know, there was a couple head scratchers this week, but nothing that was shocking. Right. Um, We talk about Boogie Basham um, and that was a hot button when, when he was traded. And I almost feel like the trade, you know, to the giants was kind of, I don't want to say a sweetheart deal, but I feel like the return for Boogie Basham wasn't the investment that the bills had put into the draft pick. Now, say what you want about Boogie Basham in, the, in a deep defensive end position, but I think there was some writing on the wall for Boogie Basham and AJ Apanessa when the Bills went out and signed Leonard Floyd late into the free agent um, period in, in the offseason program. So, if I had to pick a position group, because we know Vaughn Miller's going to be out, let's talk about defensive end first. Let's talk about, talk to there we go. Um, let's talk about defensive end, and I know that. Vaughn Miller is technically considered a linebacker, but we all know he lines up on the edge. So, Akeem, how comfortable do you feel knowing that Vaughn Miller is going to start the season on the PUP? How how comfortable do you feel for those first four games looking at the rest of this the depth chart at the defensive end position? And I hope I'm not having a fire in my house. My smoke, uh, smoke alarm is going off. I apologize. Uh, let me put you on mute one second, DM3. Go ahead okay. and t- go ahead and talk about that. And I'll, yeah, I'll that's that's good. You. That's fine. All right, so I'll I'll pick up there. So I think that there was 
we, we saw the Brandon Bean press conference when he talked about Von Miller. Von Miller is good to go. I mean, Brandon Bean said that. He said he was good to go. He said that they wanted to make sure that they had Von Miller for January and February at 100%. And I think by doing what they're doing, by giving him another four weeks, you know, go through all the motions. You know, we just saw what happened when Tredavious White came back from an ACL injury, and they kind of they kind of babied that process of getting him back. Um, and, and obviously we saw Tredavious White, who's a lot younger than Vaughn Miller is, he had, it, it took him time to get back into, you know, the weekly routine, you know, game day situations, actually getting reps, things like that. Um, so with, with Vaughn Miller, you have a guy like Leonard Floyd that you brought in, who's a veteran. You have a Greg Rousseau who's now going into his third year. You have a veteran in Shaq Lawson. You have an AJ Epinesa. Um, surprisingly, um, Kingsley Jonathan, who they thought more of than Boogie Basham, um, and a guy that they've had in this system that they've been kind of grooming um, and has worked his ass off to make a roster spot. So, A. Rich, if you're back, let's get some thoughts on, on yes, Vaughn starting the season on the PUP. I think it's the right thing to do, right? We know that we want our guy Vaughn Miller, our perennial pass rusher, the best player on our defense to – play an entire season and play an important game against the New York Jets, Monday night football, September 11th. We want our guy there, but again, we have to think about the entire season. What do we want to do? What are our goals? What, what, what do we want to accomplish here? We're trying to accomplish a Lombardi trophy. We're trying to be Super Bowl champions this season. Everybody talks about a window. Well, that window remains open. And this season is a season where the Buffalo Bills can indeed hoist that Lombardi trophy. So we want Von Miller to be healthy when it matters most. And all games matter. Week one does matter. But the important games later in the season, December, January and hopefully February is where we need Von Miller most. So in my opinion, I think it was the best move, the safest move for our 34. He ain't no, he's not no young pup, right? 34 years old. Uh, we want our best guy to be available when it matters most. And we didn't have him last year. We want to have him this year. I think some folks in the comments are concerned about your uh, smoke alarm. Bobby Hall says, I think he just put out a fire. <laughs> uh, multitasking, Akeem, multitasking yeah. as always. Yeah. Oh. Um, so yeah. let's talk about the Boogie Basham trade. Do you feel like this was like a sweetheart deal? Knowing who's the, the general manager over there in New York, knowing that he was involved in the draft process with Boogie Basham. What, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I, it, it depends how you look at it. I think Boogie Basham... Uh, was having a pretty good preseason before the trade. He showed some flashes. He's still a pretty young player. Um, so I, I, I think uh, the New York Giants have something they can mold there in Boogie Basham. At the same time, the Buffalo Bills are fairly deep at the defensive end position. Kingsley Jonathan has come on and, and emerged in camp. And I like to see Brandon Bean give guys their rewards for working hard. And as much as Boogie Basham showed his flashes, I think he has a ceiling that he's already shown. And I think because of that, because of some cap limitations, the Buffalo Bills was okay with, with moving on for him from him 
and inserting a guy like Kingsley Jonathan. I think too. I don't think it's going to happen, but Bill's Mafia on Twitter is going to go bananas if he goes to New York and he's a starter by like week eight and he's getting sacks and pass breakups and knocking balls down and just doing stuff. I don't think it's going to happen, but you never know. Stranger things could happen, right? Um, let's talk about the safety position. Um, not a lot of people are talking about this. Let's do it. How comfortable are you with Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde knowing what they just came from last season? I mean, I put a post out there. Probably It's been probably three, four weeks now about how long it's been since Poyer, Hyde, Tredavious White and Taron Johnson have all been on the field at the same time. It's been since 2021 uh-huh. since they've all been healthy and have played in a game. So how confident knowing that Micah Hyde had that neck surgery, um, knowing that Jordan Poyer had the banged up elbow, he had the collapsed lung, he had the rib injuries, he had all the other stuff that was going on. How comfortable um, are you knowing that they are on the opposite side of, of their playing career where they're not, there's not as much football in front of them as there was at the, as there is behind them. Um, and then knowing that we have DeMar Hamlin, which amazing story in, in itself is, is one of the backup safety because they only kept four safeties. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's Taylor Rapp. So how do you overall, how do you feel about the safety position? Because that has been one of the strongest position groups of this defense since McDermott's been here, no pun intended, it's been a safety blanket for the Bills. What's your thoughts? So first of all, I have to say that, in my opinion, I have, I won't say we, I have asked for all I can ask for from Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde. These guys came in as, as guys that was thrown by the wayside, Right? Green Bay Packers didn't appreciate Micah Hyde. He was a guy that was looked at as a solid piece, but maybe more rotational, if anything, was looked at as a, as a handyman special. He played safety. He played some slot corner. He made some big plays in Green Bay, but he wasn't special. So Green Bay felt they was comfortable to move on from him. Uh, same thing with Jordan Poyer. He was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. He played for the Cleveland Browns. He had a lacerated kidney. He never pretty... He never got his footing and he was kind of thrown to the wayside as well. And insert Sean McDermott, insert Brandon Bean, and they're trying to change an entire culture. They're trying to 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 uh, turn around a team from a 17 year playoff drought. And these were the first two guys, some of the first two signings of that tenure, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer and They've gone from guys that was thrown from the wayside from other teams to all pro players, to pro bowl players, to reliable and durable players, right? We're talking about guys that didn't miss games up until last season. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are both going into their seventh seasons with the Buffalo Bills, and they played up until last year. Micah Hyde missing his entire season. And Jordan Poyer, say what you want, he only missed about four games. So these guys have been Ironmen. These guys have been pro bowlers. These guys have been all pro players. And they they are everything you can ask for as, as Buffalo Bills staples of a franchise. Right now, these guys 
may be past their prime, right? And that's where I do have some concerns. I have some concerns with the speed. We saw Jordan Poyer take some angles and and because he took certain angles, he wasn't able to catch up. We saw it last year, I think in the playoff game, and we saw it this preseason against Jalen Warren. And Jalen Warren is not no speed guy. He, was, he ran a 4-5-5-40 in the combine, right? So I do have my concerns this year as far as speed. Not only Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, but the whole safety group, they lack speed. So that's some concerns. But I like that they're, they're out there, first of all, because if they're out there, they're upgrade over anybody else we have. And they still are very high IQ players. So because of that, we have to thrive and play off that this season. And hopefully we can mask some speed deficiencies we have in the safety group. But overall, I think it's a solid group. And I love our guys, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. I think, too, last year we saw – what life is like without those guys on the field, right? When we had, I saw a comment coming across, isn't Cam Lewis technically a safety? I think they tried to work him out technically as the safety last year because I think that's where they were with the roster. Um, we saw last year what life looked like without Poyer and Hyde when they were both not in the lineup. Um, and we had, you know, DeMar Hamlin starting games at safety. Now, Bean does a really smart thing. One of the most underrated signings this offseason signs you know taylor rap and i i feel like that's a contingency plan yes it was a one-year deal but i feel like that might be okay if 2024 happens and we don't have you know micah hyde because we know we extended poyer we don't have micah hyde maybe taylor rap is starting opposite of of jordan poyer on top of the fact that i think that you're going to see a lot of four two five sets this year where taylor rap is going to be essentially a linebacker and they're going to be using him in certain coverage packages to kind of mask if that middle linebacker position still isn't figured out and we're playing regular season games and there's nobody out there they can go get, um, depending on what happens with, with Christian Kirksey. Like, it's, you know, like you said, I, I'm, I'm 100% trustworthy of Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, but I also realize that we've seen Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer all up until last year, like they were the guys that were out there every single week, no matter what. Once in a while, I think Poyer would miss a game here and there, but nothing like last year where they he was playing injured, Hyde was out. So I think it, it was kind of an eye-opener to Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott saying, hey, look, this is what life looks like when we don't have these two guys that we've had for five, six years now, and we have to figure it out. And I think – you and me, Akeem, have talked probably over the course of the last three years. We've probably talked about it a handful of times about what is the contingency plan at safety. Uh, yes. There should have been somebody drafted last year, yes. and there should have been somebody drafted this year. I don't care if you have Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Mm -hmm. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But there should be a plan to groom the next two guys that are such a huge part of what McDermott's defense does as like a safety net that's why we always talk about the bend but don't break defense with Leslie Frazier because those two guys were back there. They weren't allowing big big plays over the top. You know, they were the guys that were coming down and supporting the run defense. So it's going to be interesting. I hope that they're 100%. I hope they're back to, you know, the Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer of 2021, um, and they can just keep it rolling from there. Mm -hmm. All right, so any other surprises for you with the 53? Anything else you wanted to cover with the 53? I think it's pretty cut and dry. Um, backup quarterback, I'm still 
not sold on Kyle Allen. So we just have to hope and pray that nothing happens to Josh Allen. Again, I think last year we kind of got a scare, um, but I was not comfortable with Case Keenum, but I would be okay with Case Keenum playing instead of Kyle Allen. That's just, that's just me. Um, right. The Bills obviously to uh, yesterday released Matt Barkley uh, with an injury settlement. So it's Josh Allen and Kyle Allen. I mean, the running backs, it, it is what it is. I mean, we lost Naheem Hines way, way on early in, into the training camp process. So it's James, James Cook, Damian Harris, Latavius Murray, a guy I know you're high on, Ty Johnson. I know you really like him. It's kind of funny. He came in, and I think a lot of people just thought that he was just going to be like a snap filler for a preseason game, and he made the roster. He made the 53. So, um, you know, I like what I saw with him with the Jets. I think that there's certain packages they can absolutely use him in. Um, obviously, fullback, you got Reggie Gilliam. Receivers, um, the usual guys, Diggs and Davis, and then you have the new the new guys, Hardy and Sherfield. Shakir, who I think there was a scare for a lot of the Shakir stands that he wasn't going to make the roster after kind of a shaky training camp and preseason. Battled some injuries. I thought for sure he might go on IR. They opted to put Justin Shorter on the short-term IR. I really like Justin Shorter, though, um, which is tough for me because I'm a, I'm a huge Khalil Shakir supporter. Um, what do you what do you make of – we talked about Andy Isabella a couple weeks ago. What do you make – he's on the practice squad, which I think he'll stay there. I'm not – I really don't think so, another team's going to nab him. Um, you think he makes it up to the active roster at all, or do you think he's stuck down on the practice squad for, unless they need him? Uh, I think he's going to be stuck on the practice squad unless unless he, he uh, the Buffalo Bills need him barring injury. And, you know, right now, Shakir, uh, he was battling a rib injury. Looks like he's healthy. Deontay Hardy, he had some uh, injury history. You know, he missed majority of last season with an injury. So there's a, definitely a possibility in this combative sport that Andy Isabella can be called up. But I think he will be called up uh, because of injury. As far as the receiver room, I, I like the overall room. I like the toughness that Justin Shorter and Trent Sherfield both bring to that room. I like that they're both bigger guys. Justin Shorter is, is a guy that plays multiple positions. He plays the special teams, and he just have that ferocious build, that physical build that I think uh, – bring some physicality to that receiver room. So I like the six that we have. And I especially like that, even though Andy Isabella, I was, I was, I was hearing that he had offers elsewhere. He uh, elected to stay with the Buffalo bills. And I think he's going to be useful later on in the season. I agree, man. I was an Andy Isabella stand. Like I wanted to do just to make it for a couple different reasons. I, I like the fact that the speed element, obviously I think he can be a guy that you can throw a screen pass to. He could take it to the house and then, um, I just, I, <clears throat> there's guys I just kind of feel for, like he's on his third team, you know, since 2019. And I feel like maybe he just wasn't in the right systems and now he's in the right system that can, he can thrive off of. And the bills thought something of him. He was getting reps with the ones. I mean, he was playing with the ones in preseason. So, um, it's good. It's good to see that they, they were able to keep him. One more thing about Isabella. I, yeah. the, the problem with him. And I, I, I think the problem with him is. He got overdrafted. He was a second round pick. And I think he, because he had a good combine and he had that four, three speed, 
he was selected a, a bit earlier than he should have been selected. So because you get selected in that spot, your high, your expectations is higher than they probably should be. And because of that, I think that was that was the start of a trickle effect in terms of why Isabella didn't latch on to a team and has been moving from team to team to team. The, the kid, in my opinion, got overdrafted. You think so? Yeah, I think so. I think I, I think he got a drafted a, a, a round too early. High second round pick. He definitely, in my opinion, he definitely got got drafted a little bit early. All right, Roy Collins, you're right. I jumped the gun on Ty yep. Johnson. He is on the practice squad. Um, all right. So, how you, how do you feel about this offensive line? Let's. And I know I'm all over the place here, but how do you feel about the group that the Bills have at offensive line? I mean, Tommy Doyle was injured last year on and off. Um, the biggest play I remember from Tommy Doyle was the touchdown pass he caught in the New England game in the playoffs when the Bills had the perfect game in the playoffs. Other than that, like this poor guy, man, like, and that injury was 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 pretty gruesome. Um, how do you feel overall depth-wise? How do you feel with the new additions that they got? How do you feel overall with the Bills' offensive line heading into the season as opposed to – Many years past where we've been on this upgrade, Josh's protection train. Well, there's a poll that came out with with teams that was coming in with the majority of the same roster this year that they had in 2022. And Buffalo Bills came up, I think, at about 79.5%. But where they did make some moves was that offensive line. And I think... Uh, having uh, Connor McGovern uh, as a guy who kicked into guard along with Torrance and getting a guy like David Edwards, I believe the Buffalo Bills got stronger on that interior offensive line. It also allows a guy like Ryan Bates to be more flexible. Uh, Ryan play any position along the offensive line. And uh, I, I really like the young guys. Uh, you talk about Afedi. We talked to uh, Ryan Van uh, Danmark or Demark, I believe his name is the young, the young tackle that that beat out Questenberry. Uh, I like his game and what he's shown as well. He's shown some nastiness and some toughness as well. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, they have to be at least average in the trenches, right? If if we can be at least average, I think the Buffalo Bills will be fine. If we can minimize those mistakes. Uh, minimize those pre-snap penalties. A lot of these things are with, with the Buffalo Bills O-line, it starts even before the snap. So we could accomplish the goals before the snap and get set and not have any penalties and and not have any false starts. The Buffalo Bills can work their way through, get to the second level, and I believe they can be uh, 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 an average to an above average offensive line at best. You're mute. You're mute. You, you talk about Questenberry. They must have liked Vandemark a lot because they, mm-hmm. they they took a million dollar dead cap hit to release Questenberry. Um, mm-hmm. So they 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 like what they saw in this guy. So other than that, like defensive tackles, I think we thought they were going to keep five. They kept five. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Settle, I thought would be a guy that might be on the fringe when training camp started, but I think he did enough preseason wise to, to, to earn that spot. Um, mm-hmm. Defensive ends. Like I said, they're going with five linebackers. 
They got five linebackers total because um, obviously they got rid of A.J. Klein. I wouldn't be surprised if midseason the Bills re-sign A.J. Klein because I just feel like that's a very Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean move. Um, mm-hmm. They kept seven corners. How do you feel about that? I mean, technically, technically, Saran Neal is a corner slash safety slash special teams guy, and then you got Cam Lewis in there who's kind of versatile. How do you feel about the the corner position? Because we we toyed with this with CB two for I don't know four or five years, then finally they draft Kyer Elam, and then you have Christian Benford, and then you have Dane Jackson, all vying for CB two. So what? Real quick, what's your thoughts on the CB two battle? Because Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean both still think it's like a work in progress. To no one, nothing's been decided as far as CB two to start the season. So what's your thoughts? I, I like it, man. I like that uh, the the heavy competition that the Buffalo Bills have along the cornerback room, iron sharpens iron, right? And Dane Jackson is going to make Kyer Elam better, and Kyer Elam is going to make Christian Benford better because they all are guys that is on the same team but are competitive, and they want to be out there when their team is having success as well at the end of the day, and they want to be beneficiaries of that success. So I, I, I like the competition in the cornerback room. I think everybody is solid. That's one thing Brandon Bean does a great job of. He does a great job of, of filling out the entire roster with uh, solid to good players. And I think that is what that is one of the reasons that is keeping that sustainability of success for the Buffalo Bills the last several seasons. We're talking about a team that has 10-plus wins in the last four years. We're talking about the most winning this team in the regular season, probably behind the Kansas City Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, the Buffalo Bills, I know I'm going off track and talking about the team a little bit, but the Buffalo Bills uh, are an elite team and have been an elite team for a reason. And part of that reason is uh, how the cornerbacks play in that Sean McDermott system. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've won 47 games in the last four years. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, that's not by accident. That's by roster construction. Mm-hmm. So we talk about how the bills yep. roster came out this year. The 53 man was built this year. So I know, Akeem is very passionate. When the Boogie Basham trade happened, Akeem was right in our group chat, like instantaneous when the, when the news broke. So it brought us to the topic of talking about, and I think it's a hot button with a lot of Bills fans in the Brandon Beans draft history. Um, before we get into that, if you haven't smashed the like button, please smash the like button. There's 30-something people watching, and there's only 11 likes. So please smash the like so we can get more engagement, get more people in the chat so you guys can engage with each other and with us. If you're watching on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, smash the like. That's all we ask. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. Um, if you're watching this on Twitter, follow. If you're watching on Facebook, please share. All right. Um, let's talk about Brandon Bean's draft history. Because a lot of stuff that you see from Bills fans, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Twitter, they talk about after Josh Allen, there's a drop-off with Brandon Bean and his drafting. So... If you had, to, we'll do this first, real quick. If you had to gauge the best draft for Josh Allen or the best draft for Brandon Bean, is it the 2018 draft? Probably because of Josh Allen. If you take Josh Allen out of that draft, what does that draft look like? 
taking Josh Allen out that draft. You got the you got the names of the 2008 draftees. I, yeah, I got I got them all. So the reason why I'm asking this is because obviously Josh Allen is is Brandon Bean's golden nugget, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to ride or die with Josh Allen his entire tenure with the Buffalo Bills, most likely, right? So let's take Josh Allen out of this draft history equation. You, it's it's hard to deny and it's hard to not talk about it because he finally got the Bills their guy. But if you take if you take Josh Allen out, you got Tremaine Edmonds. Say what you want about him leaving the team. He earned a generational contract, generational wealth by mm-hmm. going and performing and signing elsewhere. It's not his fault mm-hmm. that he got the money from another team that wasn't the Buffalo Bills, mm-hmm. right? Then you got in the third round, they drafted Harrison Phillips. Again, mm-hmm. got a contract from the Minnesota Vikings. They thought highly of him. The Bills couldn't match it or didn't chose not to to match it, whatever. So that was the third round. Fourth round, you got Taron Johnson, mm-hmm. a guy that the Bills have extended and paid and has become one of the best slot corners in the NFL. In the fifth round of 2018, you have Saran Neal, mm-hmm. who the Bills have extended and made one of the most, the, one of the highest paid special teams players in the NFL. Fifth round of the same draft is the one that always comes back, Wyatt Teller. What a draft. Right. The Bills traded him to Cleveland. Sixth draft or sixth round, you have Ray Ray McLeod, who was still in the NFL, still producing in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then in the seventh round, you have Austin Prohl. Okay, that one's kind of a throwaway. Mm-hmm. Overall, is that his best draft, 2018? Even without Josh Allen. Even without Josh Allen, that is his best draft, the 2018 draft. Teron Johnson is uh, a top five. Uh, slot nickel cornerback in the NFL, and they should start treating the slot nickel cornerback position with more respect. Start talking about it more. Start listening it up there when it's time to talk about corners. Stop leaving the slot nickel back position out because that's just as important as the boundary position. And Teron Johnson is one of the best in the game at his position. But uh, Wyatt Teller, who's who 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 hurts our heart, we see what we go through. At with the offensive line guys. We see who we got back there in Josh Allen, generational quarterback. We saw what happened with Andrew Luck retiring during his prime. So when a guy like Wyatt Teller leaves, it, it definitely hurts. But nevertheless, he was drafted by the Buffalo Bills. So when you have guys like that drafted in the 2018 draft, it gets me even more excited for what's happening next. That got me more pumped for the 2019 draft and the 2020 draft because that 2018 draft was a a special draft and it turned the Buffalo Bills from a laughing stock to a perennial Super Bowl contender year in and year out. Yeah, I agree. No doubt. I mean, like you you said, even if you take Josh Allen away from that, out of that conversation, like Tremaine Edmonds just, got a massive deal like Harrison Phillips got a really handsome contract for a defensive tackle. I mean, Taron Johnson, like that, that whole draft class was, was insane. And then, all right, so let's move to 2019 first round at Oliver just extended at Oliver. Right. Second round. Cody Ford. Okay. Third round, Devin Singletary played four years here, just got signed to play with the Texans, so he's still in the NFL. Third round, same draft, Dawson Knox, who just got his extension. 
Um, fifth round, kind of a throwaway. Voshan Joseph, I I had high hopes for him. Me too. It just never it just never panned out. Mm-hmm. Um, sixth round, Jaquan Johnson, who played a lengthy tenure with the Bills. Seventh round, Daryl Johnson, and also in the seventh round, Tommy Sweeney. Mm-hmm. So that draft, there are some hits, but there are some misses in that draft. Mm-hmm. But overall, I mean, again, Ed Oliver, you got your your defensive tackle of the future. Um, say what people want to say about Ed Oliver. The Bills thought highly enough of him to give him an extension this offseason. Um, you had your four-year running back because I feel like this is the Brandon Bean philosophy. Every four years or, or so, they're gonna one of these guys is gonna leave and they're gonna be replaced by a James Cook. When he's done, they're probably gonna he's gonna get replaced by somebody else. That's just the nature of the business right now. Um, mm-hmm. You got your franchise tight end in Dawson Knox to go with mm-hmm. Josh Allen, right? Um, and then you had Tommy Sweeney as well. So there are some guys that contributed from that draft and are still going to contribute into the future. Um, so overall, 2019 draft, real quick, what's your thoughts on that? And I, <clears throat> and I, and I will say this now. I know you have more to go, but I'm going to say it now, and then uh, and I'll let you continue. This this is my concern with Brandon Bean and the Buffalo Bills draft picks. I think he's did he did well, and he's done well overall. Obviously, look at where we're at, right? But the concern is, and tell me in the comment section, everybody watching the show, if y'all agree or disagree. My concern is the Buffalo Bills have a bunch of solid players. Right, it's not, not not great, not bad, but just just solid players. Now I know Harrison Phillips is a hit, yes, but how good he's a solid piece. Devin Singletary is a hit, yes, but he's a solid piece, right? So th- that's that's what I that's that's what I'm I'm thinking about the Buffalo Bills right now in terms of drafts and and why people might have some type of pushback with Brandon Bean. We have. Uh, a lot of solid pieces, but nothing very good or nothing dominant, so to speak, especially in the mid rounds where you should be able to find those pieces. And that is probably why people think teams like the Jets and uh, uh, other teams in the AFC, the Chargers and the Bengals caught up to the Buffalo Bills. So I'm going to let you continue. No, I mean <clears> – <throat> I, I don't even need to do 2020, 21, 22, 23. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that. I think that's a, that's a great point because if you look at this past draft, 2023, mm-hmm. the two seventh round picks they waived and they got claimed right away. Mm-hmm. So those are basically throwaway picks. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't I don't like to talk about how people say, well, seventh round picks are probably not making this team anyways. But Balen Specter, seventh round pick. He's a, he's going to make the team when he comes back from IR, right? Mm-hmm. That's a seventh-round pick. I mean, DeMar Hamlin, sixth-round pick. Um, I mean, I, I can keep going. Christian Benford, sixth-round pick. So mm-hmm. the late-round picks do matter, even if you are a perennial contender. It's just they, they got to be the right picks. Um, and I understand I'm not going to go crazy if a sixth- or seventh-round player doesn't make the roster, but you got to be able to – it shows – how in tune your scouting department is if you can find these guys like a Matt Milano, who's a fifth round pick. I mean, he was passed over four and a half rounds by 31 other teams. And then the bills picked him up and he's one of the best linebackers in the game today. I mean, he's an all pro. Mm -hmm. So 
I, I think looking at it overall, because a lot of people have been talking about Brandon Bean's inability on day two, right? The day right. two picks is where people are saying that he's having issues. And it came right. up because of the Boogie Basham trade, because he was mm-hmm. a second round pick. Mm-hmm. But let's let's look at the second round. Just the second round. Mm-hmm. All right, Cody Ford. Mm-hmm. No longer on the team. That's rough. Uh, AJ Epinesa. Bills were fielding calls for AJ Epinesa. They they came out and admitted it was AJ mm-hmm. Epinesa and Boogie Basham. They got a better deal offer for Boogie Basham. Um, Zach Moss was the third round pick. We'll do day two. Um, mm-hmm. Zach mm-hmm. Moss, mm-hmm. no longer on the team, was traded. Spencer Brown, third round pick. I think the jury's still out on that. Terrell Bernard, third round pick. Right? James Cook, second round pick. So jury's out. Mm-hmm. Osiris Torrance. I think we. I think he, he. He finally hit on that one. And then Dorian Williams as well. This this mm-hmm. past draft. Uh-huh. So, I don't know. I think we put too much pressure on these because of where they're drafted. Because now everyone wants to talk about Kyrie Elam because he's a first round pick and he's not starting. Well, you know what? He's getting beat out by a guy who's working his ass off, potentially the sixth round pick in Christian Benford, and a guy who <clears throat> was a seventh round pick in Dane Jackson. But is that is but is that the problem though? Is that the problem? The Buffalo Bills. We're hitting on these lower round picks, and when you're you, when you're a lower round pick, calling a spade a spade, you're drafted in the lower round for a reason. So even if you quote unquote hit on that lower round pick, how high is that ceiling for you? How high is that? Right. It's not going to be as high of a ceiling as a second, third, fourth, those mid round picks. And if buff the Buffalo Bills are not hitting on those mid-round picks. And those mid-round picks are sharing the same ceilings as the sixth and seventh round picks. That can be a cause from, for, for some concern. I, You know, I think that the draft overall, though, I, I feel like, it, it, except the first round, it, it's a crapshoot almost. I, I don't... There's a reason, like you just said, why guys are getting drafted in the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round because they're not—they're not good enough to be. For, they're not talented enough to be first-round picks, or they're just not playing at, you know, the bigger schools. But I—I I don't know who's more important to the Bills right now: Gabe Davis or Matt Milano. Gabe Davis was drafted in the fourth round. Matt Milano was drafted in the fifth that's round. Sick. Yeah, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like. Mm-hmm. James Cook more important or Matt Milano? Like James Cook was drafted in the second round. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Elam was drafted in the first round. It's it's all it's all I guess it's all how you, how you look at it. And then it's sometimes it's I don't I don't think it's fair to put it all on the player. I think that the scouting department, the head coach, the coaching staff, and the general manager have to yes. be held to the fire about are you so we know that Kyrie Elam is an extremely physical. He's he's a fast lengthy cornerback the bills last year with leslie frazier and sean mcdermott were predominantly zone defensive teams so Mm -hmm. was he going to be put in the right situation for his skill set to be successful they drafted tredavious white who is a perfect zone corner so of course he's going to excel right so they drafted back-to-back years in the third round smaller linebackers to replace a guy that 
270, a, a big guy, wingspan, can can get all over the field. And now they're expecting th- these guys to do the same thing. Same thing with Balen Specter. It's like having five Matt Milanos. Like, it's, no knock on Matt Milano, but like you need some length sometimes. You need different, you need different things. And and listening to Joe Marino this offseason, a lot talking about the middle linebacker position because I think for five months now we've all been concerned. Who is our middle linebacker? Is it Terrell Bernard? Is it going to be Balen Specter? Is it good? Are they going to? Is Dorian Williams going to magically be, be that guy? Is Terrell Dotson going to be that guy? And if you look at them all, they all have their flaws, yes, but none of them do any of the stuff that Tremaine Edmonds did in the way he did it. So. I, I don't think it's fair, like you said a couple weeks ago, to put those guys in that situation where they're they're not a hundred percent of the time going to be successful because that's not their it doesn't bleed into their skill set. Does that make sense? It it I'm kind of all over. I know I'm all over. No, the no, place, you, no, no, no. But you, you know, still, no, you I make sense. Like, you make perfect I think sense, like the bro. Rest of us, I'm still trying to figure out the middle linebacker position because Christian Kirksey, I don't think he's going to be on the practice squad. He shouldn't be very long. I know that's how the I know that's how the routine goes. You have to sign with the practice squad because they didn't have a position available on the active mm-hmm. roster. But mm-hmm. the guy, like you said, leading off the show, statistically was just as good as Tremaine Edmonds. Mm-hmm. I'm not comparing the two skill set wise. Not at all. I'm comparing results and right. what you, if you look on a paper and look at his tackle for loss, sacks, mm-hmm. pass mm-hmm. defense, all that stuff, it's better than Tremaine Edmonds was. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that he can come in and be do the things that they asked Tremaine Edmonds to do because there was a lot of stuff that Bills fans don't want to admit he was responsible for that didn't show up on a stat sheet or on a highlight film. Mm-hmm. But are we are we rolling out week one and not have the most tenured player in that position being the guy that Sean McDermott's talking to in the mic pre-snap? Like, is that what we're doing? We're going to have Terrell Bernard, a guy who wasn't even active in the playoffs on special teams last year, do that? Are we going to have Terrell Dotson do that? Like, like. I think I'm just kind of frustrated at talking about this and I keep talking about it, but I don't, I don't know what, what's your thoughts now that we have a 53 man roster. We went over the drafting process. We watched preseason. There's nine days until a game. What, where are you at with this middle linebacker position to, I guess, to kind of put a bow on this whole topic. They obviously the Buffalo bills, they obviously, they might not talk about it like Rex Ryan, but they obviously have some type of bravado in terms of how they do things. So they obviously have a belief that they are capable as a staff and as an organization of, of getting a, a, a particular thing done until they see it can't be done. Then they say, you know what? All right, let's go ahead and get Christian Kirksey. We tried. We try with Dotson. We try with Bernard. Let's go ahead and get Christian Kirksey. Even though a lot of people probably thought we should have invested in this position long time ago, we're going to go ahead and do it two weeks before the season started. So it's interesting to see for me how our experts vision the game, right? What What is their vision? What is their take on the game? They must have an entire different flow of how they think the NFL is going. They might think and have that vision that they may need these type of guys, Taylor Bernard, uh, Terrell Bernard and Dorian Williams, smaller guys that can 
cover from sideline to sideline because that is the direction the NFL is going. So I think for whatever reason, Brandon Bean and Sean McVermott have some type of vision that they're trying to they're trying to get to and see before everybody else. But I don't see what's the philosophy of, of getting a guy like Terrell Bernard and, and Dorian Williams in back-to-back years doing the same things, playing the same position. So it have to be some type of vision that they see that none of us none of none of us see. A couple things like you you just made me think about it because we were talking about Tremaine Edmonds. Did you see the first? I'm sure you did the first pass Josh threw against the Bears. Do you know who he went right at? Tremaine Edmonds. Like, like the pass to Kincaid, yeah. Um, and then and your thought about like. We're, I, I think we're good if something happens to Matt Milano. I think we're I think we might be good there. I think we got his position filled because I think you can put a Balen Spectre, a Terrell Bernard, a Dorian Williams. I think you could slot that in. God forbid something happens to Matt Milano. But to kind of wrap up this whole drafting thing that we started on, and we didn't even end there. But so Brandon Bean has drafted 45 players. Mm-hmm. Um since 2018 every draft a total of 45 players he's made 34 draft pick trades either during the draft before the draft or in the offseason um 23 offensive players 20 defensive players and obviously he's drafted a punter and a kicker right 23 more than half of the, the the players he's drafted are still on the bills active roster are on the practice squad or on ir this right now um 12 another 12 of those guys are still on an nfl roster playing in the nfl um and then the last two draft picks from this past draft which were i I spoke on earlier the two seventh round picks were claimed uh pretty quick off off of waivers Mm -hmm. so and you have to add in there the stefan Diggs trade because ultimately that probably would have been i i still think it would have been justin jefferson if he didn't pull the trigger on Diggs, they probably would have got justin jefferson justin jefferson JJ. yep i agree so i i think we're highly critical of brandon bean and his drafting more so lately um because it's harder to get as you're continuously year after year building the roster to where we said it was at and i said that it was the deepest roster that they've had it's going to be more competitive for these guys to make the roster. So it might seem like, you know, having a few picks from last year's draft or from this year's draft, not make the roster or get waived or, or placed on the practice squad and then picked up by that's going to happen. I think because you, like you said, you're building off of what you had last year and then you're continuously building and building and building to a point where, there's going to be guys that just aren't going to make the roster that you have to you have to draft, right? Next year, the Bills right now have 10, 10 picks, I believe. Are all those guys going to make the roster? Probably not, if Bean uses all 10. Probably not, because that's one-fifth of the roster that they currently have. Um, one point, though, a lot of people bring up is how many Pro Bowlers and All Pros and all this and that. I mean, you can't have a Pro Bowler and All Pro at every position in, in right. the league. It just doesn't work that way. Right. You need to have certain positions figured out, mm-hmm. and you you need, you need to make sure you hit on those. They got the quarterback. Um, I think they've they worked on the offensive line, the defensive line. They got a really good secondary, and they have Matt Milano and some help on the defensive line. So, with that being said, let's move on to the main topic of the show. What everybody 
and the national media seems to want to talk about. <clears throat> I live in California, and yesterday on my way to work, I was listening to ESPN Radio. And what were they talking about? The window for the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. I, I, I honest to God, they were talking about it yesterday morning. And <laughs> and it's 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 hard for me to not be in Buffalo and listen to the local announcers because they obviously will, would have different takes on it. But it is also refreshing to hear other people and their opinions on the bills when they talk about Josh Allen. So Akeem, because this is what you wanted to talk about. This was your, what we should have the main theme of the show be. You want to lead off what your thoughts are on this whole window talk and all this stuff. And then we can kind of just go back and forth talking about why we think or don't think there's a window and all that stuff. What's your thoughts, man? As long as you have a player like Josh Allen, uh, the window is always going to be open for the Buffalo Bills. You can say what you want about Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, and you can have things that you dislike about what they've done in the draft or or certain calls on their field, but we all know that they are a very good group. They're one of the best in the business as head coach and, and, uh, and general manager. And because of that, when you pair those guys with the Josh Allen, it's going to equate to sustainability. It's going to equate to success. It's going to equate to having your window remain open when you have a front office that knows what they're doing. So in my opinion, there's no such thing as a, as a closed window. How could it be a closed window if we just said the Buffalo Bills are carrying 80% of their roster, the same roster from last year. That is the same roster that was capable of winning last year and the window was open last year and everybody thought was going to win the Super Bowl at that time. That same roster is here. That same roster is here along with upgrades and additions. It may not be household names that uh, the media darlings are used to or other casual fans on other teams are used to. But if we know football and we are Buffalo Bills fans, we know that they are upgrades. And now we just have to see those upgrades translate to the football field. So uh, in my opinion, man, there's there's no such thing as a closed window when you have uh, a generational quarterback. We've seen quarter We've seen quarterbacks that was in the league a long time and and didn't get to that to that next level. We've seen Philip Rivers in the league a long time and he's possible Hall of Fame quarterback. I know I get a lot of arguments with that at work, but the difference is our front office. Our front office is a capable of front office and they know how to get to that next level. And I think because of that, along with Josh Allen, no such thing as a closed window for the Buffalo Bills. You know, it's it's funny to me because it took the Bills 17 years, obviously, to, to get to the playoffs, right? It, McDermott and that team, Tyrod Taylor, Shady, Kyle Williams, mm-hmm. broke the drought in, mm-hmm. in 2017. And I, I sit back sometimes and I think, you know, they got Josh Allen. 2020, Josh Allen just – it was the coming out party, right? We saw it. It was it was 
it was just on display every week. He was just doing things that we had no idea the man was going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. But how ironic is it for us as Bills fans that now every other freaking team in the AFC, AFC East is getting better and better and better when the Bills actually get to where they're at. Three-time you know, defending AFC East champion. Um, it's just it's crazy. But you talk about the window. I don't I don't like the term window. I don't like the term Super Bowl or bust because like you said, besides Josh Allen, like I think if as long as we have Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, I think we have we have what we need. Yes, Josh Allen is the catalyst, right? We need him to perform at, at an ultra high level. But you can tell every year Brandon Bean seems to figure out a way to do things that we didn't really think he was going to do. This year was probably the only year just because of cap restraints and stuff that he didn't do anything crazy, right? I mean, he made some trades on draft day. He signed a couple guys, brought back Poyer and stuff like that, but he didn't go bananas like he did last year. Like I had, if you would have told me last year that he was going to sign Vaughn Miller, I would have told you that you were crazy. And then the contract came out. I'm like, man, you really are crazy. (laughs) <laughs> but I think as long as we have a competent head coach and a competent front office, and again, something that we are just not used to. I mean, I don't know about you, but do you remember when Marv Levy was the general manager? You remember back in car? Yeah, I do. The, I those do. were those were some days were that days. I, I I don't want to relive. Like, I'm sorry, but I don't know. They were trying to kick the tires on that stuff. And it like, it and it starts. And I'm sorry to cut you off. It no, starts. Right. It, it starts with. The philosophy. That's why. That's why I say. That's why I. I. I bridge the two with quarterback in front office, right? Because it starts with the whole philosophy of the front office. If your front office has a, a, a horrible philosophy and a horrible way of going about business, it doesn't matter if you have that generational quarterback. You're. It's going to be hard to have that sustainability, and I think. The with the Buffalo Bills, they they understand that they can't pay everybody. They understand that they're going to have to let a guy like Tremaine Edmonds go, and they're going to have to let certain guys go because that is the nature of the business, right? The New England Patriots used to do it all the time in their Tom in their Tom Brady era, starting with Lawyer Malloy getting getting cut from uh, years ago when Richard Seymour and, and, and Chandler Jones and and, and guys of that sort, they had to let go of those guys so those guys could get paid elsewhere. And the franchise and the fan base was probably mad at the time, but you have to make those moves to sustain success and be able to uh, uh, reload your team and your roster. If you have that Los Angeles Rams philosophy, which worked well for that one year, but now it's hard to sustain that success and now even though they have a capable quarterback in a Matthew Stafford because of their decisions they made and the philosophy of that front office they took that window's closed so the Buffalo Bills have the generational quarterback and the Buffalo Bills have a have a staff say what you want about the decisions and about the draft picks being right or wrong or indifferent but the philosophy and how they conduct and go about business is the correct way. And that is why the window is not closed for the Buffalo Bills. I agree too. And you talk about the Rams. I don't, I really don't think Bean wants to get to that point. 
you know, because you got to you got to think they're feeling it, right? So close after the 2020 season, they lost in the AFC Championship game. Then they lost in the divisional round in the way they did. And I, say what you want, if the Bills beat the Chiefs, they are not losing to anybody. The way Josh was playing, he probably would have broke every single postseason record that there was for a quarterback in one postseason. There's there's no way. And then seeing how they lost this past year where they just look so deflated. And everybody wants to talk about what this team went through last year. I think us as fans, we were all right there. I know Akeem and me were all right there mm-hmm. with the blizzard and moving the games and the DeMar Hamilton and all the injuries and all the stuff that they went through and, and they made it to the divisional round. Well, you know what? I think we're all at a point with this team and this is a positive spin I'm putting on this. I think we're all to a point with this team where we expect this now, right? Uh-huh. And that's that's different as Bills fans, right? Because we just wanted to make the we wanted to be in we wanted to be on that graphic that was on CBS that said in the hunt, right? Uh-huh. Now we are in the graphic for the number one or number two seed. And that's I think sometimes we have the expectations that we have as Bills fans now. It gets they're a little they're a little high. They're a little. They're a little crazy. They're a little bit too too out of the ordinary for what we're used to talking about. But with that being said, we also know the talent that is on this roster when they execute the way that they are supposed to. And everybody this offseason in the Bills that has been interviewed has said the same thing. We know who we have, and when we execute. We will play great football. Josh Allen was just on the Pat McAfee show and said the exact same thing. Was right. asked about Stefan Diggs, was asked about Ken Dorsey, was asked about right. Vaughn Miller. He's like, look, if our guys come to play, we're a tough out for any team, any team. If we play and we execute the way we know that we can, and I think that goes back to, and I'm kind of backpedaling here, but I think that goes back to a little bit of the frustrations with Stefan Diggs. Mm. He saw what that, that mess that the team put out against Cincinnati at home in your building in your weather. Cause you're a, you're an incremental weather team. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was like, this is not good enough. Mm-hmm. And then of course it went through the spiral that it went through in, in the national media. But that's why I was not upset with Stefan Diggs this whole off season since February. I wasn't because we all felt that all of that shit that the team just went through that entire season it felt like it was for nothing. Like they just didn't show up in the divisional round at home against a team that they were favored to beat. And I I think bringing it back to your point, the front office, I think has done a good job every off season, looking back on what happened the previous year. Mm -hmm. The only problem is that we're looking back on season ending losses in the playoffs when we know we should have played better. So I think some steps were taken this year to address some of that as far as Leslie Frazier. Say what you want about Leslie Frazier. I think he's one hell of a a defensive coordinator. I I do think it was time to move on. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing what Sean McDermott's going to do this season, calling plays. I don't think we saw anything from McDermott in preseason. I think that he's not going to show his hand. He's too smart. He was a very successful defensive coordinator in Philadelphia. He was a very successful defensive coordinator in Carolina. And the Bills defense was very successful since he's been here. It's not just going to fall off. Do we have questions? Yes. But I feel like there's going to be a plan in place to figure it out. Um, Mm -hmm. So 
the window is not a window. I think it's a wall. It's a huge wall that's open to the public mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they can walk through at any time. They have to execute and they have to, they have to stay healthy. Honestly, if they were healthy last year, I feel like they would have went a lot further than they did. That's just, if we had Vaughn Miller in the playoffs and Micah Hyde, I think it, we're talking about completely different outcome to that Bengals game. I'm, I'm just saying like there, it just seems like they were fighting every week leading into the playoffs just to get the W. And I feel like with those guys on the field, it would have been a little bit of a different situation. So anything else on that? I, I say there's no window. I say it's open. It's, it's uh -huh. broken. It's, it's smashed open. I, I don't, I don't like the window talk. I think if you have a competent front office head coach and a, a quarterback who's top three and he's not, he's not number two, <clears throat> I, I think you're in, you're in the conversation every year and you should be. That's my opinion. Everybody has to continue to, to progress with the Buffalo bills that need to progress. That's, that's what this season is about. We know who are, who a lot of players are. We know we have a lot of good players. We're waiting for some players to take that extra leap in their progression. Josh Allen, he still has some things to work on. He he has some turnovers last year. I think he was second in the NFL in interceptions. I know he he knows that. He has a high IQ. He's a high IQ player. He want to get those turnovers down. James Cook, we're looking for a leap in progression from, from Cook. Uh, he didn't play as much last year. Motor Singletary was the lead back. There's no more Motor Singletary. In comes Cook. I think he's a valuable runner. I think he's explosive. And I think he can be... Uh, an excellent acts, uh, asset uh, as a receiver for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Gabe, Gabe Davis, we was looking for Gabe Davis to take this major leap last year because of his performance against the Kansas City Chiefs where he had over 200 yards receiving and four touchdowns. And Buffalo Bills fans were disappointed. And when you look up at Gabe Davis' stats, we're like, hold on, he had over, almost 900 yards and he had his touchdowns. Now, did he have some lapses along the season where he disappeared much? Yes. And I think that's uh, this year is a year where Gabe Davis wants to be more consistent and he can take another leap in his progression. Uh, I believe Ed Oliver's days are are his best days are ahead of him. I think he got his contract for not only his play for the Buffalo Bills, not only being a, a top 10 selection in 2019, but for the play that we are about to see from Ed Oliver. So I think he has a leap in progression. Gregory Rousseau had eight, eight sacks last year. He had an ankle injury. And even coming back from that injury, I don't think he was the same. So if we see a, a healthy Gregory Rousseau at 6'7", 260 pounds for a 17-game season, I, I'm confident that we can get double-digit sacks from a Gregory Rousseau, and that will be an uptick in progression from him. So the Buffalo Bills have a lot of players that didn't maximize their ceilings yet. And uh, are there questions uh, if if these guys can maximize them ceilings and can reach those fullest potential? Yes, but I think majority of them can and will reach their fullest potential. And I think it happens this year, 2023, with the Buffalo Bills. You, you talk about progression, too. We got to talk about it. And I know you brought this up before. We got about talking about the coaching progression, right? We got to mm -hmm. talk about. Ken Dorsey progressing from year one to year two. Uh -huh. You brought up Gabe Davis. Put Gabe Davis in situations to be successful. Stop dialing up 25-yard routes for this guy. Uh -huh. What we saw in 2019 and 2020 uh -huh. with the evolution of Josh Allen 
it wasn't the deep passes because we were all we were all sold when Josh Allen was drafted on his arm, right? His arm strength. We were all sold on these 75 yard bombs that he was going to be chucking. But how many of those did we see in 2018, 19, and 20? We saw some, but not like we saw last year because he was hitting the short, he was hitting the short stuff. He had digs in 2020 with, with some short stuff. He had Cole Beasley. So I think that Brandon Bean, and this goes back to my point about how they look back and they try to address that going forward. You bring in a Dalton Kincaid, line him up in the slot. He looks like he's pretty unguardable out of the slot. You add some speed elements trying to compete with the Miami Dolphins of the world that have this underneath offense that they run where they just try to give it to a guy and let your playmaker make a play after he catches the ball. And Brandon Bean, it seems like every time he was talking this offseason, whether it be about the draft and acquisition, free agency, whatever, he was talking about run after catch. Ken Dorsey, when he was interviewed in a couple press conferences, was talking about the fact that we need to make a huge priority to give Josh guys that can do run after catch. I And he even said, I need to make – I need to dial up better plays that put Josh in a position to be successful, the offense to be in a position to be successful, and move the chains. It's, it's what it's all about. It's just moving the chains. So you look at like the Trent Sherfield, who I really like, the Deontay Hardy, Dalton Kincaid. You have all these guys that can do things after they catch the, the ball. And then you have a guy like Gabe Davis coming out and saying that I want to do all the underneath stuff. I He's like, don't you think I know since college I've had the longest depth of target? He's like, I know that. I'm the one running the routes and catching the passes. So I, I will say this with Gabe Davis, and I'm, I'm, I, I I like Gabe Davis a lot, but I'm going to pump the brakes on Gabe Davis until I see it because I feel like there's been an offseason pretty recently where we saw Gabe Davis doing this exact same story. He was working hard, working with the jugs machine, his – his catching motion was different, like all this other stuff. He's fully healthy, and then last year happened. Now, I'm not going to blame him for an injury because it's not his fault that he was dealing with a nagging ankle injury seemingly all season. But are we going to get the Gabe Davis of the Kansas City Chiefs divisional game? I don't, I don't think that that's sustainable. But what I think we can get and what I hope we get is a guy that they understand is valuable in – you know, 10 to 15 yard routes, not 15 to 25 yard routes. Let him work the route tree. It, it looks like it's working for him so far. So the only thing I ask is that we have some, some growth and some progression from our coaching staff. And that includes Sean McDermott, because I think year after year, we still have some in-game situations where we still want to have some questions about what's going on. And the only thing that concerns me now is a little bit about him being the guy who's calling the plays defensively. Is that going to take away from anything that he's doing with the rest of the game? I don't think it will, um, but I don't know. I think we need to see some progression from the coaching staff as well as the players in execution, I think, is our, our biggest key this year. Oh, you're muted. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. From the, our coaching standpoint, we definitely need to see that that leap in progression from our second year head coach Ken Dorsey as well. And we want to talk about another leap in progression. I want to get back to my quarterback, Josh Allen. It's it's one thing to have a guy like James Cook who 
in the scouting report in the scouting report was always questionable in terms of handling a, a big workload. But you know what wasn't questionable in his scouting report? His ability to be an excellent receiver out the backfield. And what Josh Allen does not do is yeah. throw the ball to his running backs. Josh Allen, you have you do he's just not only not only just for the checkdown, we're talking about it's an actual skill set that should be implemented within the offense because of the type of player you have in James Cook. He is a receiver-like player at the running back position. So Josh Allen's leap in progression, or one of his leaps in progression he can take this year is utilizing James Cook and his prowess and what he can do as a receiver out the backfield. So I want to definitely see Josh Allen go to James Cook out the backfield more. I think too to to that point in 2020, Josh Allen's completion percentage skyrocketed. Why? Because he had short intermediate routes, not just stuff to the backs, but he was check. He, I don't want to say checking down, but he was there was quick release dialed up by by Brian Dayball, mm-hmm. and his that helps your completion percentage. Which I know we don't want to talk about completion percentage, but. I think if you can get your quarterback into a rhythm with giving him easy stuff early, especially early in a game, in a divisional game, in a tough weather game, whatever it is, that's the stuff that they went away from last year. And then that's when you saw Josh struggle a little bit and start to force a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff downfield. And I, I think he tried to start feeling the weight of, of a lot of that. Like if you look at the Lions game, the play worked, so it's fantastic. But if you look at the Lions game on that final drive when he hits digs over the middle for like 30 yards or whatever, like they had plenty of opportunities to work their way down the field because they ran a couple plays after that one. Mm-hmm. So that's the type of stuff that we were looking at. That that play, if that's not Josh Allen just absolutely a hundred percent throwing a dime that nobody else can do, that play's incomplete and that, that drive is probably different. Mm-hmm. So right. I'm just saying like stuff like that in those situations, put your quarterback in a situation to have confidence and be successful. And that starts with this underneath passing game. And I think that the Brandon Bean made it a point to the coaching staff. Look, I'm, I'm not just going to get you a Deontay Hardy and a Trent Sherfield. I'm going to also go draft a Dalton Kincaid. And that's what he does. He gets mm-hmm. separation right off the line for those quick hit routes. So we'll just have to see if it's if it's been if it's been you know reciprocated by uh, Ken Dorsey if he understands you know what's at stake here. And not only that, they they said that they said that Deontay Hardy and Dalton Kincaid we want to we want to utilize the yak and we want to we we want to get better on this short intermediate passing routes. But they also said, you know what, Josh Allen. You can't do it all, all the time. We got to get some physicality as well. You know, short yardage, let's go ahead and add a Latavius Murray. Let's go ahead and, and add a, 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 a Damian Harris. Let's go get more physical and add a Trent Sherfield. So now on these run blocks and these counter plays and these outside stretch plays, we have a, a better chance of being more successful. Let's go ahead and get a Justin Shorter, who's a physical st- specimen, still developing and has and has a big ceiling. So the organization definitely did a lot of things in terms of speed combining with physicality this offseason with the offensive skill positions. All right. So if you had one, if you had one move this offseason that you would label as 
the one that's going to be most impactful on the Bills roster this season, who do you, who would you say that is and why? Oh, that's an excellent question. Offense, offense, uh, offense anything. side of the ball? Anything? anything? Yeah, anything. That's an excellent question. I got to go Dawson Kincaid. I got to go Dawson Kincaid. He's he's the next guy. Now, I know Gabriel da- Gabe Davis is an above average player, in my opinion. But as far as all pro or superstar besides Stefan Diggs, I'm thinking I'm thinking Dalton Kincaid. He's getting those comparisons to Travis Kelsey. He's getting those he he's he's getting those early looks as a rookie that has you that has one to believe. You know, Dawson Knox, he signed that 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 contract extension, but Dalton Kincaid playing and looking like the tight end two on paper, but on the field, he's gonna be that tight end one. And I think he's gonna be uh, a, a more important part in his rookie season uh, more than, than years past from, from Buffalo Bills players. So Dawson Kincaid is, is in my opinion, uh, has to be the most impactful player for the Buffalo Bills. I agree with you too. I mean, that, that was the one that I was going to say. This, he mm-hmm. looks and he, he smells like he's the part, like everything we've seen mm-hmm. so far, he looks mm-hmm. like he's the part mine. That's not the most impactful, but I am extremely uh, impressed with and looking forward to is Osiris Torrance because if we have finally mm-hmm. figured out the right guard yeah. position, that's something that we don't have to toy around with anymore. Yes, I know Mitch Morse is getting older. We're, you know, the jury's still out on Spencer Brown, but if we can figure out now the left tackle, left guard, and right guard, Mitch Morse can still be there. We just need to figure out Spencer Brown. So I'm looking forward to it. He's a he's a massive man. Osiris Torrance is a massive man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would not, as a defensive lineman, that's got to be tough going up a guy against a guy that's what's he 340 pounds, I think he's listed as. But Six, he looks, yeah, he looks to be the part, so he looks good in pass pro and in, in run blocking, so it looks to be good. All right, before we get out of here, A Rich, anything else you want to touch on? Did we did we miss anything? Any notes that you wanted to touch on? No, I think, um, I think for the most part, we covered it, man. Um, Good job going over the fifty-three man roster. This is a this is a a loaded team, in 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 my opinion, or in our opinions compared to years past. Now, of course, other teams get better, right? That's that's what happens when you see the Buffalo Bills good for so long, and other teams are trying to catch up to what the Buffalo Bills have sustained. Uh, other teams are going to do what they have to do to try to propel themselves to catch up as well. So it may not seem as it as it as such to the outside fans because of the surroundings of the Buffalo Bills and the big names that's going around the Buffalo Bills in terms of landing in the AFC East. But we know as fans that Deontay Hardy and Dawson Kincaid and Connor McGovern and Osiris Torrance. We we all know that these guys are are upgrade for the Bills on the field, and we just have to see that translate starting September 11. How much did we get better? How much better did we get in the trenches? We're going to find out sooner rather than later, Week One against a stout New York Jets front. So uh, we covered everything. We did a good job today, man. I appreciate you and. Uh, uh, go Bills. Yeah, I think um, 
next week. There will be two days until a Buffalo Bills regular season game. So it's going to be awesome. Catch us here every Saturday, 9 o'clock, Built in Buffalo, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. We appreciate everybody that was in the comments. Comment section was going crazy today. I appreciate our president, Lance, um, for keeping it keeping it going. Um, for Akeem Richens, I'm DM3. This is Built in Buffalo, Bills Algae. We'll see you guys next time. Go Bills. Go Bills. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL.